Hello, and welcome to Imperfect Men, yet another Rexypod rating all of the Founding Fathers, from Andrew Adams to George Wythe. I'm Cody. I'm Stephen. And today we will be examining uh, another of the long list of uh, Founding Fathers uh, to decide whether or not they really deserve to be called a Founding Father. Mm, how many of those, how many Founding Fathers are there? Uh, a lot. Uh, they signed all these uh, documents? A lot? A lot. So over a hundred, right? Yes, over a hundred, and oh, we're on. We'll be ta- we're talking about the seventh. We're going to be here for a while. Yes, we will. Yes, uh, today talking about a guy named John Bannister. All right. Yes. So let's get let's get right down to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. John Bannister Jr., born on December twenty sixth, seventeen thirty four, in Petersburg, Virginia. Uh, son of. You won't believe this. No. John Bannister Sr. Oh. oh. Yeah, you didn't expect that, did you? No, that was right out of the field. Being a junior, yeah. I, I, see, I think he's like the fifth junior we've talked about. Junior. Um, he was also the grandson of a guy named John Baptist Bannister. Baptist Bannister. Yes. Uh, he was an English clergyman and botanist. So he was a... <laughs> he was... What was his name again? John Baptist Bannister. Baptist Bannister Botanist. It's yes. a lot of alliteration there. Yeah. Well, you know, so yeah, it's, just, it's still in that period a little bit where science and religion are kind of considered roughly the same thing. Yeah, right, yeah. So, but... Uh, trees grow he, because of God. Yes. Yeah. Because, like, a way to study God, essentially, yeah. Um, and he was kind of an early botanist for, like, the uh, colonial era, like, North America and stuff, so, but... Uh, that's his grandfather is uh, our John Bannister Jr. Educated, he was educated in England, so like yeah, he was born in the colonies, but he was sent off to be educated in England, which should give you an indication of the status of his family. Educated in England, mm-hmm. uh, learning law at the Middle Temple, Ooh, the, not the not the left temple, the right temple was the middle one. Yeah, the middle <laughs> one. So like, it, the English legal system is kind of weird, as with many things in England. There's what's called these ends of court. You have to be admitted to the bar at one of these places in order to practice law in England. Okay. There's the Middle Temple, the Inner Temple, uh-huh. Lincoln's Inn, and I don't remember what the fourth one is, but it's uh-huh. kind of it's kind of weird. But point being, he was educated at Middle Temple and was admitted to the bar in 1753. Man, the, being so a lawyer back then was wild, wasn't it? It's just like you had 19. to do. A, yeah, I know that's what I mean. Like yeah. you did. There was all these like weird like oh you got to go to the middle temple and then <laughs> do this ritual and then you you become you get the bar and then you become a lawyer look at that yes. it's like what the yeah what? It, it's <laughs> so yeah, weird the legal profession is especially back then was uh, and like I said everybody's a like freaking lawyer west yep yeah um, he returned to Virginia and married Elizabeth Munford in 1755 so he's young strapping 21 year old. Ooh, nice. Uh, and just continues in the legal profession uh, profession for the next decade, you know, built Mayo, making his name, you know, as you do. Uh, he was elected to the House of Burgesses in 1765. This was the colonial legislature of uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so just kind of like their, their uh, Congress, their colonial Congress for the state, essentially. Okay. And he serves there until 1769. He constructed an estate called Battersea. B a t t e r s e a. If you want to look Battersea. it up, Battersea. Battersea. Interesting. Uh, outside Petersburg in 1768. I bring it up because Battersea 
is still around to the present day. It has survived. Wow. All these all these centuries. Uh, and it was added to the register of historic places in 1969. Wow. So it's still there. It, uh, is still it preserved. Still a homestead and everything? Um, I couldn't just find land? if it was... I think it's still owned in, in private hands. Okay. I think by his descendants, actually. Wow. Wow, okay. Yeah, so... But, it, you know, it's still a historical building, so... Interesting. Um, yeah, so it's still there. Uh, his wife, Elizabeth, died in 1770, but Matt Bannister quickly remarried that same year to mm. Elizabeth Bland. They would have three children. Okay. Okay. The legacy yeah. begins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he was elected again to the House of Burgesses in 1772, serving until 1775, when his second wife, Elizabeth, also died. Oh. Yes. Two, two, dead, two dead wives. Two dead wives named Elizabeth. Oh, oh, oh wait, yeah. weird. He had a type. <laughs> Elizabeth? Yeah. Is it, not, is it a type? Is that a type? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he was a member of the Fifth Virginia Convention in 1776, which officially threw off the colonial government and promulgated a new state constitution. So, basically, this is just the meeting of Virginia you know, revolutionaries saying, hey, we are no longer affiliated or loyal to the crown of britain we are an independent state oh nice so okay. like so new uh government set up everything like no more colonial governor governor no more royal appointments none of that okay they're so, like we're our own thing now yep uh and he was elected to the new house of delegates which replaced the house of burgesses in 1776 serving to 1778 he joined the virginia militia that year uh, serving as a colonel in the cavalry, oh. uh, he, he wasn't wasn't like he was deployed like you know with the regular army. He was just in the militia, so you know just defending the home home turf. Sure, sure. Um, but at the same time, he was elected to the Second Continental Congress in March 1778, serving until September 1779. He signed the Articles of Confederation in July 1778 with the other delegates from the states that had ratified up to that point. Virginia had ratified in November 1777. Mm. So if you're keeping track of the dates, uh-huh. yet again... He just showed up and signed it? He showed up and signed it. It had nothing to do with the debate. Oh, boy. Now, I will say, I'm like, man, this is the third out of seven guys we've talked about where this has happened. Yeah. How many more like this are left? There's got to mm. be more, because... Well, I mean... the next person whose only contribution was signing the Articles of Confederation, that'll be episode, like, 25. Oh, okay. We're on episode 8, so it'll be a while. <laughs> okay. So we won't have to deal with one of these screwballs again for a while. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Just, well, just have patience. No, no. This is great. This is the people that nobody ever hears about. This is what, we're, this and is, this is what this show's all about. Yeah, and there's a reason why we don't hear about them. Well, yeah, no. Uh, yeah. But we'll, we'll get into that. Um. He married Anna Blair in 1779. Oh, married for a third time. Hmm? Not an Elizabeth. Not an Elizabeth. So he doesn't have Maybe that. Maybe he's bad luck. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, Anna Blair, uh, she was the sister of a guy by the name of John Blair Jr. And to take a page from Tatalis Rankin, put a box around him. He will be getting an episode relatively shortly. Oh, wow. Because uh, he, he would sign the Constitution. Ooh. So he'll, uh, we'll we'll be talking about John Blair Jr. probably within the next few episodes. I mean Blair. So yeah. So B. Yeah. Not not too far off. So stay yeah. tuned for John Blair Jr. Uh, 
Bannister, he helped to defend Petersburg during the Battle of Blandford in April 1781. Oh, uh, This war. is when uh, Cornwallis had invaded Virginia. Oh. Uh, and this is immediately prior to the Yorktown campaign where oh. Cornwallis, inf- you know, of course, lost. Yeah. And was- I remember that from the Patriot. The historic... Yes, the, the historic history. documentary yeah, that, starring the, the Australian patriot, Mel Gibson. Well, he was American in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that movie. It's amazing. I love it. It's it, 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 it. I enjoy it, too. I, it's definitely a turn your I have to turn my brain off to enjoy it. <laughs> but, but also, there's also some ickiness in it, because it's like, oh, he... After his wife died, he makes he puts his moves on his on her sister. Ooh, that's a little well, you know, weird. The times, yeah. But that's <laughs> and then there's other problems with that movie. But it, it, it's fun just as a, just a dumb action movie. So yeah. I like it. Yeah, but yeah, he defends, helps defend the city, helps supply the troops. Yeah, so war hero. Yeah, kind uh, of, sort of. Um, Afterward, he's elected to Congress again, the Confederation Congress, in 1781, serving until 1784. He serves as the mayor of Petersburg in 1785 and 86. And then he died on September 30th, 1788, at Battersea, aged 53. Uh, Another kind of relatively young. Yeah. I I guess not for the day, but I mean, for these guys, because they, you know, they were the, they were the kind of the higher... Class, the, yes, know. they had access to better food and medical care. Exactly, so y- they usually lived a little longer. Whatever you could define medical care as at the time, yeah, well, there was some outside of leeches. <laughs> there was, so. there were some. They knew some stuff. I mean, if they one didn't, of the we'd fa- all be dead. One of the people we will be talking about much later down the road uh, was a doctor. He signed the Declaration of Independence, mm. and we will be talking about both his. Um, both his positives and negatives as a doctor. Trust no, me. Well, I'm sure. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, that's way down the road. Uh, so, all right. Yeah. So that was John Bannister. First category, Perpetual Union. As I mentioned, he began his service in the Continental Congress after the articles were submitted and after his own state had ratified it. Yeah. So he, he took no said. part in the debate. I guess that's a zero, huh? Yep, that's a zero. Wow. He was in the Virginia legislature when the articles were ratified. Okay, what did that? What does that mean, though? Is it possible that he had some kind it's of say? It's possible he may have had some say in it when it was up for ratification in the state, but the articles were already, like, done by that point. Well, that doesn't mean that he didn't do something with it. I mean, he, you know what I mean? Besides signing, because yeah. if he was in that legislature or whatever, yeah, he could but, have done something. He could have been like, I don't like it. Or, so, you know, who knows? Possible, but it's like, I I, I got nothing. I, outside, it's like. There's nothing to, you yeah, know, nothing to back that up. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I guess zero then. I zero. Mean, yeah, right, I nice. guess. All right. That is a. Zero for Perpetual Union. <laughs> Big goose egg. Yep. We the people. What effect do they have outside of the founding documents? Uh, off and on, he served over overall 14 years in the Virginia legislature. He was a participant in the 5th Virginia uh, Convention in 1776, which replaced the colonial government with... That's a big one. ...state government, and uh, 
one of the things that came out of that was the Virginia Declaration of Rights, okay. which would later have an influence on the U.S. Bill of Rights. Okay, that's pretty big. Yeah. Now, he didn't play a major part in the... He was he was there. Yeah. You know, presumably he took part in some discussion or debate, but he, yeah. he wasn't like the guy like, hey, we should have this Declaration of Rights. He wasn't <laughs> okay. the guy who like, wrote it. Yeah, right. Who sure. we will be talking about at some point, but... Yeah, but they always, you know, discuss that stuff. Yeah. He had some kind of say. Yeah. Um, He was the mayor of Petersburg after the revolution. Mayor. Uh, Assisted troops during the Battle of Blanford in April 1781. That's a good one. So. He did some stuff. Some, yeah. Yeah. And then he died in. Yeah. 1788. Yeah. Okay, well, he didn't do a whole lot, but he didn't do nothing. Correct. The... Hmm. I'm going to give him a five, I think. Five? Yeah, I think I'm going to do a five. Uh, Just to, for having such a, you know, he was part of that yeah. debate. It could have been part of the debates there. Yeah. Well, he was. A... He was there, at least. Yeah. I'm going to give him a three. You know, three? Okay. Yeah, yeah. We've discussed before that. You're a little harsher than I am. Huh? I am. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. Good cop, bad cop. All right, so that is an eight- Ooh. For we the people, mm. articles of impeachment. He had money, and he was from Virginia. What do you think that implies? Slaves. Yes, he had slaves. And set now, just just hear me out on this whole line here, because it, it the end of it is okay. Okay. In 1782, he was recorded as owning 88 slaves, 28 horses, 126 cattle, and a chariot. A chariot. <laughs> a chariot. Oh, boy. Maybe chariot races? Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm sure, like, it's not like a like the Roman-style chariot we think of. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but um, let's just say that it was, because I don't have any other information otherwise. It was a Roman-style chariot <laughs> that he rode, that he had his horses rode right around his estate in. Maybe he did. Maybe he would. We're, yeah. we're going we're gonna to make, I'm going to make that call. Yeah, maybe he was that much of a dick that he went around on his chariot, you know, cracking the whip at his enslaved people. Yeah, man, that's how he got around his plantation really quick. Just saddled up the horses, his chariot, just like as yeah. he was going. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Yeah, he might so. be, he might have been that eccentric. Who knows? Yeah, so... Don't have, uh, don't have any other information no, otherwise, no. so... Uh, well, I mean, I would... I mean, he remarried, like, within a year after his wife died. I don't know if that's scandal. Uh, I mean, I think I mean, that was I mean, common back then. To me, that's kind of quick. But well, yeah, but that's kind of like it's kind of common back. That's yeah. why I was saying like when you were talking about the Patriot, and he was like, you know, he's going after his sister or whatever. It's like, yeah, but it was kind of common. Like <laughs> again, like we were talking about um, on the other, the last episode. Like I think it was last episode. We were talking about death in in the Revolutionary it was time. A couple episodes ago, yeah, the colonial yeah. times. Yeah. There, it was much more common. And it was, you know, people died a lot earlier, so it was a lot more common for people to move on quicker. Yeah. So because they were just used to dealing with death all the time. Yeah. So I mean, that's yeah. not really scandalous to me, all not right. for the time period. Well, we want to give them. Oh uh, well, slave owners, big one. So that's terrible. It's going to be an automatic at least four for that. Yeah, that like that's my default for slave owners is yeah. four. And I don't have anything else on him, so I'm 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 gonna give him a four. I'm gonna give him a four. Yeah, so I'm gonna give him a five because I have that image in my mind now of him riding around his chariot, cracking <laughs> a whip at his enslaved That's fine. people. He, he gets an extra overall chariot point. Yeah, 
Yeah, I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. I don't like that image. <laughs> yeah, nobody should. Uh, if you do, you need to seek uh, mental assistance quickly, please. <laughs> uh, so that is a nine for articles of impeachment. Nine. Yep. So, oh, he's, oh, okay. That was a lot of, uh, that yeah. probably, mo- that might have been the mo- most scandalous person so far. I think so. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I have to, I have to look. I don't have the sheet in front of me. But uh, the whites of their eyes. Oh, my favorite category. What do they look like? I love it. I love this category. Uh, get ready for this. I'm ready. He has a picture. How big he has a portrait. He had a portrait. It's from 1775. So yeah. it's about the time we're talking about. Uh, Boom. Oh there he is. Gosh, look at this. Oh, it's great. <laughs> oh, he's very, he's rotund. I like that. He's a fat Virginian. Um, he's got his hand in his pocket or in his in his vest. Yeah, his waistcoat. As, as was the style. Yeah, he's you know I think they hide the hands because it's hard to paint the hands. Um, they hide in yeah. pocket and yeah, in yeah. waistcoat. There, that's just less they have to paint. Um, nice red velvet, red velvet. That's and, different. And you can definitely tell it's velvet. Yeah, and it's it's got gold trim and gold yeah. buttons. This, For, this if dude, you want to look this up, listeners, it is the 1775 Gilbert Stuart. Uh, portrait of Bannister, which Gilbert yeah. Stewart, he was one of the definitely one of the leading portrait painters of the time. It's very well done, and yeah. there's uh, there's no background. It's very it's just a yeah. slate black so. background, like he's just standing like has standing like, into a wall or something. Yeah, so no good background or anything like that. But otherwise, very very good portrait. Yeah, you can definitely tell he's a man of means. Well, yeah, I mean, look at what he's wearing. Yeah, like that's very well, that's um, the point. Yeah, but ostentatious, I yeah. believe you'd call that. What do I give him? Oh, well. This is out of, uh, now this is out of five. Five. Yeah. For that one, four. I'm going to give four? four on that one. That's a nice painting. Yeah. Um, it's nice. Some of his face just creeps me out a little bit. Well, you, I think his eyes. His eyes are like. He's a, he's a slave He's a slave owner. Yeah. And you know this about him. I think if you didn't know that about him, you might not think that. His eyes are like kind of far apart and they're kind of crooked. <laughs> it's kind of weird me out a little bit. Okay, well. Um, I'm going to give him a two. It's just like, I don't know. It's just kind of creeping me out a little oh, bit to be frank. Wow, okay. That's a big difference. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic. I mean, he's got color. There's there's color. Yeah. But most of these guys are wearing black or dark brown. Yeah, that that color does you know, help pops, a little bit. But gives a pop. I, don't know, I just could. That's a, that's a face of my nightmares. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so four and two, that is a six. For the whites of their eyes. All right, the bonus round. He signed the Articles of Confederation. And that is it. So he gets a whopping one bonus point. Put it on. Take it on. So his total score for John Bannister, more than I thought he was going to get, uh-huh. given the fact he just showed up and signed it and was gone. Yeah. 24. Uh, well, it's because he was scandalous because of the slave it, Yeah, it was definitely that scandal. Uh, John Alsup, I believe, is the closest one to him. He had a 21. Mm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, about the same. And he had a good portrait, which helps for me. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, but definitely that scandal score definitely boosted him because, I mean, that was his, his highest scoring category was, <laughs> was the Oracle's impeachment, that nine. Yeah, so. So, yeah, so uh, 24 points. But it's not all about the points. It's not all about the points. We have to ask the question. Is John Bannister a founding father 
or a floundering father? <laughs> I'm going to go with floundering. Uh, yeah, I agree. He's just... He didn't do much. Yeah. I mean, and the, the his biggest score was being a slave owner, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not... That's not... That's not a plus. Yeah, I'm going to go with props for the red velvet yeah. jacket. And, the red velvet um, was uh, paid for slave labor. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's cool looking, but the way you got it, thumbs down. Yeah. So, John Bannister, sorry. You're a floundering father. So, what what does he get? He gets a... Maybe hmm. like a sewer? What is... Yeah. What, what, <laughs> a yeah, sewer what, grate? <laughs> <laughs> what, what what little shop in DC? What what does he get in DC? He gets a yeah, you know he he gets a like a waste treatment plan or something there like you that. Go. Yeah, something. So yeah, yeah he, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah the the uh, uh, John ba- the Bannister Waste Treatment Facility. <laughs> there there we go. go. That's what you get named after you. Oh uh, yeah, for yeah, because there's nothing really d- distinct about this guy. No, no. Like it's it's like you know th- this could have been. You know, twenty other people in Virginia at the same time just yep. swap out the name of the portrait. Yeah, so pretty much, yeah. Except for maybe the chariot. The chariot. I like to think he's the only one around with a chariot. And he was in, you know, he did fight in the war, which yeah. not a lot of them did that. Yeah, so I think we had one other one that was actually fought. Um, I can't remember for sure, but I think there was one other. Was it Tommy? It might have been. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't remember offhand. No, I don't either. But yeah, yeah I think no. there was one. One other one. Yeah, we've we've had one. Um, or no, it was Andy. You're right. Yeah, yeah it was. was here. Yeah, one of the Adamses. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned before, when we have a short one like this, I will discuss these documents we uh, base the show around. I'll discuss them in a little more detail. Ooh. So, the last time we had a guy uh, just on the articles, uh, Thomas Adams, I talked about. The um, the first few actual articles in the Articles of Confederation, uh, the first th- uh, three articles, and talked a little bit about their history. So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to talk about Articles 4 through 7. Ooh. So give you a little bit of explainer on these. Explain me up. Oh. There's going to be a lot of reading. <laughs> <laughs> so the fourth article, quote, the better to secure and perpetuate mutual friendship and intercourse among the people of the different states in this union. I like how we have the same thought on that word. <laughs> uh, the free inhabitants of each of these states, paupers, vagabonds, and fugitives from justice accepted, shall be entitled to all privileges and immunities of free citizens in the several states. And the people of each state shall free ingress and regress to and from any other state, and shall enjoy therein all the privileges of trade and commerce, Subject to the same duties, impositions, and restrictions as the inhabitants thereof, respectively, provided that such restrictions shall not extend so far as to prevent the removal of property imported into any state to any other state of which the owner is an inhabitant, provided also that no imposition, duties, or restrictions shall be laid by on any state on the property of the United States or either of them. Jesus, okay. <laughs> is that it? If any person nope. <laughs> guilty of or charged with treason, felony, or other high misdemeanor in any state shall flee from justice and be found in any of the United States, he shall, upon demand of the governor, I'm going to add a little little inflection. You to this should, yeah, yeah, make it, make it more. And upon demand of the governor or executive power of the state from which he fled, be delivered up and removed to the state having jurisdiction of his offense. Full faith and credit shall be given in each of these states to the records, acts, 
and judicial proceedings of the courts and magistrates of every other state. End quote. Okay. <laughs> That's why I should have listened for the end quote. Yes. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, okay. so, Steve, explain to me, what does all that mean? I think it means <laughs> um, that yeah. you can trade within the states. That was in there, right? Yep. Like you, well, you can leave the state and uh, go to the other states. And... Uh, I'll, I'll explain it. Yeah, okay, go ahead. I'll try the, to do it. The article means that people can travel freely between the states. That's what I said. That criminals can be extradited to the state where they committed the crime. Mm. And that states will cooperate with other states if required to do so in the course of a criminal proceeding. There we go. So, which... Yeah. It's somewhere in the Constitution. I don't remember where it's... The wording might be a little different, but the bulk of that's in the Constitution. Yeah. yeah. So, there were some things in the articles that were kept. uh, Because it's just like, you know, this this makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, because, like, you know, this is... And why rewrite pretty it? Pretty key to a function, like for us to function. Like, right. it would be dumb if we had to have a border checkpoint at every state oh border. Oh my god! Yeah, that'd be so imagine, annoying. imagine how insanely tough that would be. Yeah, that'd be if we had to present like a passport. Yeah, no. Especially if you lived in a small state like Rhode Island. Yeah, it's like you go five feet, you have to present a passport. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, criminals can be extradited. You know. Yep. Yada yada. So. Pretty basic stuff. Now, the fifth article is going to do with how the Congress itself is set up. And this is where it's very radically different from the Constitution. Okay. So, Article 5, quote, For the more convenient management of the general interests of the United States, delegates shall be annually appointed in such manner as the legislature of each state shall direct to meet in Congress on the first Monday in November in every year with a power reserved to each state to recall its delegates, or any of them, at any time within the year, and to send others in their stead for the remainder of the year. No state shall be represented in Congress by less than two, nor by more than seven members. And no person shall be capable of being a delegate for more than three years in any term of six years. Weird. Mm -hmm. Nor shall any person being a delegate be capable of holding any office under the United States for which he or another of his benefit receives any salary, fees, or emolument of any kind. I can't say that word. (laughs) When they get paid. But not with money. Uh, Mm -hmm. Each state shall maintain its own delegates in a meeting of the states while they act as members of the committee of the states in determining questions in the United States and Congress assembled. Each state shall have but one vote. Freedom of speech and debate in Congress shall not be impeached or questioned in any court or place out of Congress, and the members of Congress shall be protected in their persons from arrests and imprisonments during the time of their going to and from and attendance on Congress except for treason, felony, or breach of the peace. Okay. Like I said, it sets up how Congress is structured. Right, yeah. And basically, they, they a lot of that would just be ditched with the Constitution. Mm. And I think we kind of mentioned it last week when we talked about Abraham Baldwin um, during his vote um, regarding how Congress would be set up, which was kind of like the important vote, if you remember. Yeah. Um, Where some of the smaller states wanted to just kind of keep roughly how the Confederation Congress was. Right, yeah. Which was every state gets a vote, no matter of size. Right. Every state just gets one. But you have between two and seven delegates from each state. Uh-huh. 
and to decide the vote of a state, they kind of just do a mini vote amongst themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then let's say a state has seven delegates. If they say, if the delegates among themselves say four to three, where we approve of this legislation, uh-huh. let's say Virginia, Virginia votes yes in this legislation. Yeah. It's pretty Which, simple. Yeah, but it, it's also like, okay, in this single, like, because it's only one house of Congress. Uh-huh. Delaware is going to have the same say as Virginia, yeah, which has a far larger population. Yeah, you can see the problem with that. Yeah, yeah, you can see the problem with that, but yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but I mean, but it's like, it would still, otherwise you, they don't get a vote at all. So yeah, it would, but it would still kind of be retained in the Senate somewhat. So uh, that's why it's called the, or that's why it's called a compromise. So. Yeah. Uh, the weird one to me is that delegates, they can serve three out of every six years. Yeah, what, so, what does that mean? So it puts a term limit on them. So let's say they serve for three years. Three years. They can't serve again for another three years. But then after that, they can serve another three, three years. Another three years. And that's it. But if they serve, let's say they serve one year... Now they can take a year off, serve. come back and serve two years. It, yeah, it, that, it's that's weird. weird. It's like how do you? It's like that's hard. That'd be hard to keep track of now, let alone then. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it. But I will say this: it put a ter- it put some degree of a term limit on them. Yeah, it did. Yeah, that's true. Which is better than what the Constitution did, because the Constitution didn't do diddly squat in terms of or in regards to term limits for Congress people. Yeah, I know, which is a problem now. Well, yeah, and uh, also the the salary thing sounded pretty good. The oh the, yeah yeah the, well that they can't serve in um another office at the same time. Well, I thought it said something about like they no salary they don't get a salary or something like that. No, no, no. Well, they can't like. Basically, that's the way of saying you can't accept another paid job. Oh, I see. Which, which would which which would still be uh, in the Constitution? Like that. That's part of the Constitution yeah, okay. as well. Like you can't be a senator at the same time as you know Secretary of the Treasury. Uh, I see. I see. So okay. you can't be a representative at the same time you're the state's attorney general. They need to change that to you can't make any other type of money at, at all. That'd be nice. Yeah. But That'd yeah, be nice. That's, that's what I think, but go ahead. That's your fifth article. Yeah, and the last thing, uh, delegates have freedom of speech while debating bills in Congress, which I think is also part of the Constitution. Like, they shouldn't have to, if they're debating a bill, they shouldn't have to, you know, do it under fear of being arrested for saying oh, something. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Yeah. Which is fine. That's a good one. Uh, article 6. Oh, Lord, that's a doozy. <clears throat> Hang on a minute. I gotta take a swig of the old alcohol here. <laughs> Okay. Article 6. Quote. Wow. <laughs> Quote. <laughs> That's why my voice broke once. We're doing We effed up a little bit ago, so. Oh, I'm just all voiced tonight, aren't I? Uh, Article 6. Quote. No state without the consent of the United States and Congress assembled shall send any embassy to or receive any embassy from or enter into any conference, uh, agreement, alliance, or treaty with any king, prince, or state nor shall any person holding any office of profit or trust under the United States or any of them except 
of any present emolument, office, or title of any kind, whatever, from any king, prince, or foreign state, nor shall the United States and Congress assembled or any of them grant any title of nobility. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, this one's broke, end quote. Um, this one's kind of broken up into clauses a little better, so I'm just going to stop at each clause. Okay. Um, that's kind of straight up in the Constitution. Right, yeah. Individual states can't enter into treaties with foreign countries. Right, Like, yeah. Ohio can't create a treaty with Canada. Right. You know, and you can't accept... Um, Money? Yeah, you, you, like, you can't... Um, like, if, if you are, like, a senator or president or whatever... Mm-hmm. Or, well, not center at this Governor. time. If, if you're if you're a a delegate in the con or the in the Congress, you couldn't accept like you know a dukedom from the king. <laughs> so yeah, because that'd be like, why is he giving you money? Like that's a whole that's a whole other thing. Like, yeah. So why are you getting money from the king? Yeah, like that's in the Constitution. Sure. Though. Yeah. There was a constitutional amendment proposed in the early 1810s. I think um, it never passed. That would have. Uh, if you accepted a title of nobility, just anybody, any American, you would be stripped of your citizenship. Holy dang. Yeah, which I'm like, well, okay. that's, that's well, a large. Well, I, they're just really trying to yeah. distance themselves from the monarch. So. Yeah. So, but that, yeah, it never passed. So, but you can't, you can't have that if you're a member of uh, Congress. So. Sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Next clause, quote. No two or more states shall enter into any treaty, confederation, or alliance, whatever, between them, without the consent of the United States and Congress assembled, specifying accurately the purposes for which the same is to be entered into and how long it shall continue, end quote. Okay. Uh, basically, states can't form, like, little pacts or treaties with each other right. without the permission of the federal government. That is still a thing. That, that was a thing in the Constitution. Okay. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah, so like a few, I can't think of any offhand, but like uh, I know some states have compacts with each other over how like shared rivers are managed. Oh sure, like yeah. I'm, I'm sure Ohio and Kentucky and Indiana have like a. Oh yeah, because the Ohio, West Virginia. Have oh, a, the, the the states on the Mississippi too. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's some like, but like you have to have the federal government's permission. Sure. Yeah. So to do that, which is to kind of prevent, like, um, segments of the country kind of. Doing their own thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, I mean, really, I mean, that you that could be i I'd have to look into whether or not he used that as a legal argument. Um, the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. That was a, you could see that as a illegal compact between states. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, I, I have to look to see if that was one of the legal justifications for fighting the Confederacy that Lincoln used. Because like it could have, because it's like... If it's in the Constitution, yeah. Yeah, because, like, they're entering into a compact without the permission of the federal government, so... Yeah, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah, they're yeah, doing their own thing. Um, next clause. Quote, No state shall lay any imposts or duties which may interfere with any stipulations and treaties entered into by the United States and Congress assembled with any king, prince, or state in pursuance of any treaties already proposed by Congress to the courts of France and Spain. End quote. Uh, basically, states can't they can't uh, lay their own import duties. Hmm. Uh, that has to be done federally, which mm-hmm. again, like it is today, like hmm. in the Constitution. So, like you know, Massachusetts can't put in a five percent tariff on steel, and Rhode Island would be like, "Well, I'm going to put in four percent." So they come to Rhode Island. Uh, oh yeah, I got so you. So you can't okay. do stuff like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and then they put a little grandfather clause in there because at the time. 
they were debating treaties of commerce and alliance with France and Spain. So they didn't want to, you know, hamper themselves or limit themselves in those negotiations. So they put a little out clause, be like, um, but this isn't relevant with any treaties we're working on with France and Spain. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next clause, uh, of which there's only this, this one and one more after this in Article 6. Quote, no vessels of war shall be kept up in time of peace by any state except such number only as shall be deemed necessary by the United States and Congress assembled for the defense of such state or its trade, nor shall anybody of forces, nor shall any body of forces be kept up by any state in time of peace except such number only as in the judgment of the United States and Congress assembled shall be deemed requisite to garrison the forts necessary for the defense of such state, but every state shall always keep up a well-regulated and disciplined militia sufficiently armed and accutered. And shall provide and constantly have ready for use in public stores a due number of field pieces and tents and a proper quantity of arms, ammunition, and camp equipage, end quote. Okay. That's all about the military. I need a breath out for that. <laughs> uh, it's kind of... The way... I, I've read a few different interpretations of it, because it's there's not anything exactly like that in the Constitution. Yeah, there's the... Well, basically, it's requiring the states to keep up a militia. Right, yeah, that's true. That's different in the Constitution. With the yeah, because like, not, not every state has National Guard, which, I mean, the National Guard is essentially... The federal government. The, the militia. Yeah. Uh, the, the descendants of militia. Right, exactly. Not every state has National Guard units. Ah, yeah, that's true, yeah. So, but the attitude at the time was that you did not want a standing army all the time. The only time you wanted, like, a national army was in times of war or emergency. Right. Because a standing army was seen as a sign of oppression, of treason, or not treason, of tyranny. Okay. Kind of like the the standing army they had just fought. Oh. The British. Yeah. So, but they knew that there were still threats on the borders, Native Americans, the French, Spanish, whatever, the British... What have you. So they wanted the states to have to maintain a militia. Okay, yeah, sure. So, which... It's kind of like a National Guard. Yeah, which which kind of makes sense, yeah. given the context of the time. But it's interesting that it, like, that wouldn't be a thing in the Constitution. Right. And the Constitution only, like, you know, a decade later. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe they thought about that. I was like, eh, maybe we shouldn't force states to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially, like, you know... A state like, you know, Connecticut, which right. is on the ocean, it's pretty, like, I guess, a deep in the United States, mm-hmm. like, far from the borders and stuff. So it's like, maybe they shouldn't have to, you know? Right. Because yeah. it is expensive. Yeah. Yeah, that makes uh, sense. But they have to maintain equipment for it. So. And the final clause of Article 6, quote, no state shall engage in any war without the consent of the United States and Congress assembled unless such state be actually invaded by enemies or shall have received certain advice of a resolution being formed by some nation of Indians to invade such state. And the danger is so imminent as not to admit of a delay till the United States and Congress assembled can be consulted. Nor shall any state grant commissions to any ships or vessels of war, nor letters of mark and reprisal, 
except it be after a declaration of war by the United States and Congress assembled, and then only against the kingdom or state and the subjects thereof, against which war has been so declared, and under such regulations as shall be established by the United States and Congress assembled, unless such state be infested by pirates. Pirates? Infested. Infested. By pirates. Oh, wow. In which case, vessels of war may be fitted out for that occasion and kept so long as the danger shall continue or until the United States and Congress assembled shall determine otherwise, end quote. Wow, specifically pirates. I like that. Yes. <laughs> so, basically, no state can engage in war without the permission of the federal government. So, like, you know, yeah. states can't declare war themselves. Right. Um, unless... They're actively being invaded, in which case the state can use any measure at its disposal to fight the invaders. Which makes sense. Yes. Um, they specifically cite, you know, by some nation of Indians, because they're like, well, they're on the frontiers, and there were some Indian confederacies, like, you know, the Iroquois, yeah. uh, Tecumseh's confederacy later on. Um, yeah, sure. And they saw those as threats. Of course, yeah. Because they're not white they're, people. Yeah, they're there. Because um, they're there. Yeah. <laughs> and that states can't um, build their own ships of war. They can't grant letters of mark, which is basically like hiring privateers to go pirate the opposing enemy. Yeah. Um, unless we're at war. And you can't only do it with that to that enemy. Which is interesting because in the Constitution, it just straight up... No letters of marker or appraisal should be granted. Oh, there you go. Or something like that. Just straight up, just, you can't do it. Period. Don't do it. Don't do it. Which is like, this is like saying, well, you can do it when we're at war. Okay. It's like, if you're at war, everything's off. Yeah. All all, thing, all bets are off. Yeah. It, exactly. Rules? <laughs> Who cares about rules? <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah, so it's just kind of interesting to see, like, kind of the evolution of some of these things yeah it is it's very yeah it's interesting so, for sure so that's article six and the article seven which is the last thing i'll talk about it's one paragraph thank god no oh, lord nothing like the last few so article seven quote when land forces are raised by any state for the common defense all officers of or under the rank of colonel shall be appointed by the legislature of each state respectively by whom such forces shall be raised, or in such manner as such state shall direct, and all vacancies shall be filled up by the state which first made appointment, end quote. Okay. It's weird because it's saying the legislature can appoint all of the officers below the rank of general. That's weird. Yeah. Yes, it is. Why is... Okay. Yeah. Why, though? <laughs> to ostensibly make it more democratic... I guess so. The generals are only appointed by the Amer- American, like the by the federal government, the yeah. federal government, which, yeah. which you know is still how it's done today. Hmm. Um, but everything below that is like, yeah, the states, it, which it boggles my mind because it's like, okay, so you got, you know, you know Joe Smith, he's the speaker of the, I don't know, the Pennsylvania House. And he's, you know, my my cousin, he's um, kind of kind of on hard times. Bob Smith, he's kind of falling on hard times. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, I think war's coming. I'm, uh, he needs a job. Let's make him a colonel. <laughs> 
Yeah, and, Bo- that went. and you have Colonel Bob Smith, who is totally incapable of being a colonel. You think that's how that went? You don't think they thought about it a little more? It's not. They, it, it just says the legislature shall appoint them. Well, the legislature is not just one guy, is it? I know, but it's like if you have like a powerful guy in the legislature, like, let's say you know Joe Smith is the spe- is the speaker of this house, sure, you know, and some some of the other people in the legislature owe him some favors. He'll be like, <laughs> "How about you vote for my cousin for colonel, uh, cousin okay. Bob for colonel, cousin Bob? He's a, he knows things." So so so, so that, that political wheeling and dealing, it's like, yeah, like the the core of a good army that does not make <laughs> so no, no you don't just oh yeah that yeah. guy that guy's an officer now like that and this is very works. and the, the weird thing to me is like this is very reminiscent in a way of how it was done in Britain where like members <laughs> of the aristocracy could yeah. just buy their commissions that's probably why they it's like that because it's still a reminiscent it's a still a rem- yeah like we're a, just replacing the aristocracy with yeah, a legislature exactly yeah and replacing buying the commissions they're with, like you I know, don't know here you go they're just like picking and choosing like you know what we like that let's do let's keep that in our in our thing yeah and adapt it to our it's yeah. just but it's like you know this is gonna cre- like your army's gonna suck <laughs> what well yeah well I mean the British army didn't suck yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> I mean, they conquered a lot of people, but uh, I think there was I, a more to it. Like when when was West Point? When that, was that, that wasn't around until the or like eighteen? Was it eighteen hundreds? Okay, I thought it, it was, was after the. I think it was after the War of eighteen twelve. I think like, I want to say eighteen twenty one. Okay, okay. So it, it, yeah, there's not an, an officer school right yet. Exactly. That's why. So you do yeah. kind of have to get them from somewhere. I mean, but I'm thinking they're gonna they're gonna appoint it from people that were in the military in the revolution yeah but it's it's still like you know it still lends itself to political wheeling and dealing yeah, and right. corruption right, and that right. type of thing that's true yeah so like you know hey you know yeah my buddy he he served in the continental army he was a he was just a lowly private in one battle let's make him a colonel yeah <laughs> i mean it could happen sure so it, it's just like it's just there uh, it's a weird one yeah Meritocracy was not a thing yet. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's it just, I just, it just struck me as odd. Yeah, it is weird. It's a yeah. weird one. Especially the fact that they had to set that in its whole separate article. Yeah. Like, it gets its whole article. Yep. So, somebody was really thinking about that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They probably had a cousin. They were like, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get him to be a colonel. Yeah. Uh, so, that's it. So, that's all I'm going to go over on these articles today. Uh, there's still. Articles 8 through 13 left. Nice. I'm sure we'll Got talk about them at some point. Article 9 is very large. Very large. Yeah, so probably, probably maybe two more of these explainers, like 8 and 9 and then 10 through 13. Um, whenever nice. we get to that point, whenever we get another short episode on Article Signer. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that was John Bannister, and that was Articles 4 through 7 of the Articles of Confederation. Sources for this... Um, the record about him owning 88 slaves in a chariot. Yeah. Uh, that was from a just a, a list of kind of like taxable property I found in the William and Mary Quarterly from 1918. Hmm. Um, a lot of information from the Colonel John Bannister chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Oh, wow. Which is a Whoops. Eh, mixed 
uh, you know, mixed historical legacy uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little, a little racist. Uh, but yeah, they have a whole chapter named after him. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a whole website and stuff. And of course, the ever-faithful biographical directory of the U.S. Congress. Yes. Published by the U.S. Congress. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, see the pinned tweet on the Twitter feed, if Twitter is still around at this time, uh, for general sources. Uh, and my sources were Cody. Yes. Yeah. So. And no, we do not have a blue check mark. We will never pay for a blue check mark. Oh yeah, what's eight dollars a month, man? It's so cheap. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll start a Patreon so we can afford the blue check. Yes, line. yeah. We can't can't afford. God it right no. Now. Um, that's so stupid. In lieu of feedback, a podcast, a Rexypod to recommend. Um, uh, indirectly, kind of the one one of them in a way inspired me to kind of do this podcast. Uh, Noblesse oblige. They talk about then rate. All of the Nobel Prize winners. Oh. Yeah, and that was, I'm like, I saw that that was a thing. I'm like, so you don't just have to do rulers. Because all of them have been like English monarchs and Roman emperors, yeah. and presidents, and French monarchs, and popes. So it's like, hmm. Yeah, we could, we could, like, we could rank like. Do any group of people. What about the founding father? So, you know, no, they kind of, you know... I was thinking, like, Arby's managers or something. <laughs> <laughs> I could rate some McDonald's managers. There you go, yeah. Me, number one. Number one. Number one by far. Uno yeah. doso or whatever. I don't know. I don't... Spanish, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, but, yeah, so, good podcast. Go listen to Noblesse Oblige. Uh, so, that's it. So, next week... Next week. A name you might be familiar with. Don't Google them. Don't Google. Beforehand. Get your hand off your Google. Just, you know, wait until the episode. Josiah Bartlett. Josiah. Josiah Bartlett. So. I like the name. Stay like tuned. Name. Thank you for listening, and be sure to check out my uh, other project, The Drunken Pawn. We're on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram. And be sure to check out my other project, We Effed Up. Uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, and all the podcast players you found this on. And also be sure to follow our podcast on Twitter, at Imperfect Men Pod. All right, we'll see you guys next time on Imperfect Men. Imperfect Men.